The Louisville Cardinals are now the first ever ACC team to make it to the NCAA Volleyball Championship. On today's episode of the Locked On the Louisville podcast, we're going to talk about the Cardinals' five-set thriller victory over the Pittsburgh Panthers in the Final Four. We'll talk about the men's basketball team's first victory of the season against Western Kentucky. We'll also talk about two possible Flyville 23 prospects. So with that being said, let's get right on into the show. You are Locked On Louisville, your daily podcast on the Louisville Cardinals. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Locked On the Louisville Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Pence. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. As always, I want to tell you, I want to take this time to say thank you all for making us your first to listen of the day. Just a reminder that the show is free on all streaming services five days a week, your team every day. We'll open up the show by discussing the Louisville volleyball team's five set victory over the Pittsburgh Panthers in the final four. They will now advance to the championship game on Saturday against Texas. We'll talk about the Cardinals men's basketball team recording the first win of the season on Wednesday against Western Kentucky. We'll also talk about two new possible Flyville 23 prospects in three-star defensive back Jeremiah Collins and three-star running back Kiwan Brown. So um, to open up the show, we'll talk about um, the Louisville volleyball team coming in clutch in that fifth set against the Pittsburgh Panthers. Look, this was a matchup in the Final Four that everyone knew it was going to be a back-and-forth match um, two teams that know each other very, very well. Um, they played three times last season. I'm sorry, two times last season. Um, three times this season. This marked the third matchup. But um, the Cardinals and the Panthers split the first um, and the second regular season matchups. Uh, Pittsburgh won in five sets in the first matchup. The Cardinals swept the Panthers um, towards the end of the regular season at LNN Federal Credit Union Arena. Um, but something to note that the Cardinals, for the first time against the Panthers, were at full strength. Anna DeBeer um, may not be 100% healthy, but obviously she was not available in the first matchup. Uh, and in the second matchup, she was uh, extremely limited. So um, Anna DeBeer led Cardinals team and... Um, Frankly put, she was absolutely electric in the first set. The Cardinals were incredible in the first set, winning it, I believe, 25-18 to 18 was the first set. Yes, 25-18. Uh, to 18. Anna DeBeer had three kills on eight swings, which is incredibly efficient. She had three service aces as well. She had a fantastic game in, in the service area. Um, the Cardinals were extremely solid whether or not she was um, tying her career high in aces or just putting it in spots to where Louisville was getting the ball back in in some great situations, whether it was a free play or Pittsburgh wasn't able to capitalize on the reception. But regardless, Anna DeBeer was fantastic. And let's be honest, the whole Cardinals um, rotation was fantastic. Um, this was a matchup that went back and forth. Um, this is everything you would have wanted in a Final Four matchup, although you can argue that I think the Cardinals 
lost the second and fourth sets respectively more so than Pittsburgh won them. Now, granted, I'm not taking anything away from that Panthers team. Very, very solid. Obviously, one of the best teams in the country. Hats off to that team. Um, but I think that and Danny Busboom Kelly said it at one point in the second set. Look, we're being sloppy. Um, we've made um, some costly errors, and Pittsburgh's a team that is extremely good defensively. So when you're making these errors or you're being sloppy when you're receiving um, the service or um, you know on a rally, Pittsburgh's an extremely good defensive team. So you can't um, give them any free points or give them any free passes. So um, the second and fourth sets, unfortunately, um, a little bit to be desired from the from the Cardinals. And in that fourth set, um, it seemed like Louisville was on their way to victory. 16 to 10 lead. Um, they were up 21 to 18 before Pittsburgh called a timeout, I think. Actually, no, Pittsburgh didn't call a timeout at that point. It was 21 to 18. Louisville then had a, a 22 to 20 lead. Um, Pittsburgh was able to tie it up. Louisville called a timeout, and then Pittsburgh ripped off another 3-0 run to force a fifth set. And then in the fifth set, 15-2 in favor of the Louisville Cardinals. They are now the first ACC team to ever make it to the NCAA Volleyball Championship. So history is um, you know, in the balance here. But also, Danny Busbum-Kelly with a chance on Saturday to become the first ever female head coach to win a national volleyball championship. So there's a lot of possible historical achievements on the line here. And then on top of that, um, the first national championship in program history, the Cardinals will take on the number one overall seed, Texas Longhorns, who defeated uh, San Diego uh, three to one in the matchup prior. Um, but in that matchup against Pittsburgh, I feel like I have to give shout-outs to essentially everyone. Um, as we mentioned, Anna DeBeer was absolutely fantastic. Um, she had 15 kills, but um, Claire Chausset had an absolutely phenomenal evening. One of her best performances as a Cardinal um, had 25 kills, an outstanding number there. But what was even more impressive is that she swung at a 429 clip, which is absolutely incredible, uh, absolutely insane. So that was an, an extremely solid performance. Iko Jones had 12 kills. Um, she was extremely solid up at the net as well, had six block assists to go along with five digs. Um, PK Kong had a phenomenal matchup um, or had a phenomenal game against this team. Uh, five kills, but uh, had a career-high 10 blocks against the Panthers, which for a Pittsburgh team that really utilized the middle and in the second and fourth sets, Louisville kind of struggled to defend that. Um, but in that fifth set, PK, I think, really – uh, set the tone and created that momentum early on in that set, and Louisville was able to feed off of that respectively. So she was extremely solid in this matchup, one that you can't really overlook. Yes, you have Chaucey, you have DeBeer that had the big-time numbers, but PK, um, definitely an impressive performance from her. Um, Amaya Tillman, fantastic. Uh, she had four kills, seven block assists. The Cardinals were extremely solid for the most part at the net, um, especially in the middle. There were some times where uh, Pittsburgh was getting what they wanted to 
on the attack, but for the most part, uh, the statistics back up the notion that Louisville had a solid matchup. Um, Aiden Bartlett, Alexa Hendricks, CC Rush, solid in the um, you know the service game, also um, in serve receptions. Elena Scott, one of the most impressive, if not the most impressive, performance of her young Cardinal career. The true sophomore Louisville native um, had eight assists, um, five service aces. Uh, 28 digs, absolutely phenomenal matchup, showing that versatility is one of the best liberos in the country. It's funny because I say this multiple times, but it just shows you how talented she is. I announced for Elena at the high school level when she played for Mercy Academy, and she was a three-time back-to-back-to-back all-state setter. And going to Louisville makes the move to libero, which, um, you know, playing the back row, um, Phenomenal. One of the best liberos in the country. That just shows you the amount of talent she has and how good she can be as a secondary setter when needed because she obviously played that at the at the high school level and at the club level as well. Just a for phenomenal overall team performance from the Cardinals. Um, clutched out the victory. Sure, it wasn't the greatest performance, but the team did what it needed to do to win the match. Um, the fifth set, the team took the um, took the momentum early on and just did not look back. They were up 8-0 to zero before um, Pittsburgh was able to get on the board. So phenomenal matchup. Um, and it's awesome to see social media, um, you know, lifting this team up, you know, just continuing to, um, you know, increase volleyball fandom. What they're doing for this city and for this community cannot be understated the team's journey is not finished yet a, a chance for it all on the line on saturday evening eight o'clock eastern uh first serve in omaha nebraska against the number one ranked texas longhorns regardless of the outcome of that match on monday we will have um, analysis of that match and more so hopefully we're talking about the first time national champion global cardinals um, we'll take a step back now and um, transition over into the men's basketball side of things where the Cardinals picked up the first victory of the season. Um, we'll talk about that here in just a second after we talk about our friends and the title sponsor of the show, Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball and World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, well, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. You can check out the line for the uh, Wasabi Fenway Bowl for tomorrow, which is very close. Um, But regardless, we're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. At this time... I want to say thank you all once again for making Locked on the Louisville your first listen of the day. Uh, do yourself a favor. For your second listen, check out Locked on Sports Today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked on can provide. Locked on Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. So moving right on along, talking about the men's basketball team's first victory of the season, 94-83 to over the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Coming into this matchup, Louisville was a, I believe when the first tip happened, they were anywhere from an 
eight or a nine-point underdog. Western Kentucky came into the matchup eight and one. Louisville obviously zero and nine. Um, the Cardinals went down eighteen to ten before picking it up, and um, a fantastic first half or conclusion to the first half. Second half was a little bit more of the same. Uh, Western Kentucky was attempting a comeback in the um, waning parts of the second half, but regardless, that uh, lead was just too much for the Hilltoppers to overcome. L. Ellis was fantastic, especially in the first half. He finished with 30 points and 10 assists, perhaps his best performance as a Cardinal, had nearly 20 points at the half, Um, did have five turnovers, but regardless, um, I I think that he had a solid game, also had five or four rebounds. Sidney Curry, 10 points. Brendan Huntley Hatfield, 11. Jalen Withers had 10. Uh, Kamari Lands continuing to show promise as a true freshman. He had 15. JJ Trainer with eight. And Fabio Basili, despite only having six points, I thought that he did a good job of utilizing his minutes, especially um, as an on ball uh, lead initiator and creating offense for his teammates. So, um, overall, I think that I speak for the whole fan base when I say that one of the most encouraging things or maybe the most relieving thing was to see the effort there through the first nine games of the season. Um, I understand, you know, um, this team is going to need some time to gel. Um, there are some growing pains that the team needs to do as a collective unit chemistry wise um, on the court. Um, there are some adjustments that need to be made from Kenny Payne and the coaching staff as it pertains to the offensive identity of the team, um, things of that nature. But one thing that you can't make an excuse for is a lack of effort. And throughout the first nine games through, I'm not saying during all of the entirety of the games, but there's been significant moments where you can see the lack of hustle, the lack of effort, the lack of communication. And that's something that's just hard to spin, right? It's hard to spin, you know, not hustling, not going after loose balls. That wasn't the case in this matchup against Western Kentucky. That's the thing that I look at. And I think I enjoyed the most was watching this team move without the ball. They were communicating, they were supporting each other. The, the demeanor was solid. There wasn't any, um, you know, there wasn't any sulking. There was, um, you know, constant talking and encouragement from the bench. The bench was into it. Um, but diving after the loose balls, crashing the boards, I think that the the little things that we've been looking for this team to do, they finally did. Um, out-rebounded Western Kentucky. Actually, no, I'm sorry. They were out-rebounded 37-29, to 29, and there obviously are going to need to be some things to focus on there. They gave up 18 offensive rebounds, so rebounding the basketball continues to be a focal point. Um, but you look at the the numbers here, 17 assists to 13 turnovers. Um, one of the worst teams in the country um, in assist to turnover ratio, perhaps probably the worst team, one of the worst teams in NCAA history, I do believe. Um, but to see that on the other side where there were more assists than turnovers, obviously not a perfect performance. Um, the team did put up 94 points, which was solid. They did give up 83, so defensively, there are some things that continue to need to be worked on. Um, 
And not to mention the team shot 52% from behind the arc, 54% from the field as a whole. Um, 13 made threes. They went 19 of 20 from the free throw line, which is good for 95%. Granted, they won't shoot that well every single game. So as great as this outcome was, I'm not expecting this team to do what they did offensively on Wednesday every single night here in, here out. Um, that's just unrealistic. Any team's not going to shoot 52% from behind the arc. One thing that I am looking to, um, you know, spill over into the next couple of matchups, beginning with Florida A&M, is the effort. You know, I understand this may not necessarily be the most talented team in the country. It might not be, you know, a very good team. But at the end of the day, there's nothing that can excuse a lack of effort and hustle. And if we continue to see that, we continue to see the team move without the ball, um, high effort and energy from all five guys on the floor, um, I, I think that you start to maybe see some encouragement. Now, what we can't do with this matchup is believe that everything is okay because the team got a win. Um, you can't look at this matchup and say, oh, the team shot 50% from the field and behind the arc. They put up nine, over 90 points. They got the first win. The effort was there. They looked good offensively. Everything is solved. That's not the case. As good of a performance this was, as solid as an effort as this was, you have to kind of now turn the page and hope to carry that confidence over into the next game um, because there are some things that still need to be worked on. Um, you know, continuing to find the identity collectively as an offense, um, you know, crashing the boards, doing a better job of rebounding, limiting turnovers, continuing to move without the basketball. Um, forcing turnovers. Now, granted, Western Kentucky turned the ball over 13 times, but still, you know, shooting the ball well from the free throw line, from the charity stripe, uh, behind the arc. Overall, just continuing to show improvement. Um, it's a solid result, and I'm happy that it, you know the result came. But I'm not going to overanalyze this win. I'm not going to hype it up more than what I believe it is. It's a solid victory, but this is a team that you should be beating. In Western Kentucky. Now, granted, this was a team that was eight and one coming into this matchup. <clears throat> it was a solid effort. There was some improvements shown, but still a long ways to go. But I will say, this was a team that needed a victory for confidence. You know, issues or not necessarily confidence issues, but for you know confidence reasons to build that confidence to. Um, you know, try to get some momentum going. You have to understand, you know, we can criticize this team. And I know that this team has been criticized over and over and over. And for the play on the court, I understand it. Um, but we also have to realize that these are human beings. You know, they're not going out there and, you know, wanting to lose every game. I mean, it probably doesn't feel good to get blown out, you know, over and over and over. Um, you know, if you were in their shoes, you would feel the same way. So I'm extremely glad for the guys on this team um, to get this victory um, and, and see them to have fun on the court, to see the crowd involved. I understand, you know, you look at it and, and say, Dalton, are we really going to be celebrating this this way, being one and nine? Look, I think that you can understand that this isn't Louisville level, um, but – you know, I'm going to celebrate a victory. I'm going to celebrate every victory you have. Um, you know, from a, you know, a humane standpoint, um, you're seeing these guys get this victory. 
it, it's awesome to see. It's awesome to see them having fun because if you think it's tough as a fan to um, you know endure this, which I'm not saying it shouldn't be because I'm you know a diehard Louisville fan as well, and it's been tough this season. It's probably even tougher on these players that are going out there and you know getting beat substantially. Game in, game out. To see them get this victory, um, it makes me happy. It should make you happy as well. Granted, that doesn't mean that it makes everything okay. The team still has to show improvement. I want to see that effort game in, game out for the rest of the season. But hopefully, the team can start to maybe piece together a winning streak and now um, you know try to get some momentum heading into ACC play. Um And we'll continue to talk about the team moving forward. Um, We will conclude the show with some um, football recruiting talk where two new Flyville 23 prospects um, have um, joined the conversation to possibly join this recruiting class. Um, We'll talk about uh, Jeremiah Collins and Kiwan Brown um, here in just a second after we talk about our friends over at NHTSA. Okay, so you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many, and as the easy as the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride, but nah, you think you're good. You live nearby. You can make it home, okay? It's no big deal, but you know what's the worst that could happen? You get pulled over, your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you, know, it, you, you total your car. But look, you all know that your... Life can be changed in an instant. Other people's lives can be changed in an instant with such a careless act. The risks are right there. The statistics back it up. Driving drunk, you can kill someone. You can kill yourself. It is just not worth it. Um, A little inconvenience um, is definitely worth it. you know, with the alternative being, you know, possibly costing yourself your life or someone else's life as well. So make the smart decision. Um, don't drive drunk. Police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on the roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, please think again and reconsider. Play it safe. Plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's life forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Heading right on along into the final segment of the show, two new possible Flyville 23 prospects, Jeremiah Collins and Kiwan Brown. Um, obviously a big recruiting weekend coming up for Jeff Brom and company. The only reason that I'm not talking about it on this episode of the show is that it seems like there's more and more names that keep getting added to the official visitor list. So there will be an episode either later tonight or early Saturday morning that uh, breaks down the official visitor list and so on and so forth. But two new prospects, Jeremiah Collins, three-star defensive back, actually from the city of Louisville, um, went to Mel High School before transferring um, to Oakland High School in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, before his senior season. Um 2023 cornerback, but also at male played safety at times, six foot two, 180 pounds. Um, and if you remember, Jeremiah Collins actually had committed to Louisville during that big weekend back in January where Pierce Clarkson and company also committed, but he decommitted from the program back in June. Um, and seemingly at that point was not going to be um, either considering Louisville or in consideration to join the class or both, but it was announced on 
Um, Wednesday, he released his top four, and the Cardinals made that list alongside Vanderbilt, Middle Tennessee State, and Virginia Tech. Um, it's worth noting that Jeremiah Collins has an offer from Purdue, and his primary recruiter is Chris Barclay, who has joined Jeff Brom at Louisville. So possibly, you know, we talk about these um, local recruiting ties vastly improving 502 recruiting in the state of Kentucky. Um, you know, Stephen Heron, uh, the transfer from Stanford, you know, uh, Louisville native, um, you know, the guys that had just committed, Micah Carter and Sadiq Clements. But now here is another prospect that um, I think a lot of people have maybe forgotten about for the time being because he's no longer playing for male. And he's in Tennessee, so a lot of people think or thought that you know he was going to end up at Kentucky um, <clears throat> or somewhere else because he had moved away. Now, granted, I'm not necessarily sure how um, you know how likely it is that he joins Louisville and joins this recruiting class, but I think it is something to see the Cardinals on this list. Um, Collins is ranked as the 611th best prospect according to the 24/7 Sports Composite, and I think the, you know if you remember the show way back when when we talked about Jeremiah Collins, I like the versatility that he brings to the table. He has solid size, being six foot two, um, both experience at both the cornerback and the safety position, which is a very uh, valuable trait to have. You know, in that versatility. Um, a great job of high pointing the football, solid coverage skills, a great press at the line of scrimmage. Uh, people will say, well, the final four isn't really all that impressive. Sure. But at this point, I'm not going to question, you know, Jeff Brom's um, uh, evaluation of talent and having seen Jeremiah Collins play, you know, multiple times over his uh, career at Mail, I, I think that he's the real deal. And if Louisville were able to, um, get him to recommit that would be big for a program that needs uh cornerback depth so um we'll can or safety depth as well so we'll continue to monitor that situation Kiwan brown former purdue commit decommitted from the boilermaker program back on december 8th got an offer one week later from the cardinals and will be on campus for an official visit um three-star running back from the south atlanta area um, 676th best prospect in the country has offers obviously from Purdue, Cincinnati, uh, Louisville. Chris Barclay was his primary recruiter as well. Uh, Georgia Tech, NC State, Pittsburgh, Wake Forest, South Florida, so on and so forth. Um, another situation to where people will look at this recruitment and think the offer sheet is not necessarily the most, um, inspirational but regardless like I said offensively or defensively I'm not going to question head coach Jeff Brom's ability to assess talent um, he is 5'9 205 pounds does a great job of using his low center of gravity to his advantage on absorbing contact and getting yards after carry um, is a very explosive uh, ball carrier does a great job of getting through the second level of the defense and has a very solid burst of speed. Um, 2021, he averaged 11 yards per carry, had a staggering 2,757 yards and 38 touchdowns, also caught 13 passes for 101 yards and three more touchdowns, um, and involved in the return game. So um, it did a great job in a very solid um, you know, talent area 
in the state of Georgia in the Atlanta area. So Kiwan Brown is a possible um, commitment watch prospect for after this weekend. Obviously, this team needs one to two more running backs for for the um, the roster with only Jawar Jordan and Maurice Turner being on the team currently would be a great addition to where um, I'm not sure that he would play much his first year, but definitely um, gearing up toward the next couple years. But who knows? Um, being one of three possible running backs on the team, obviously you think that Louisville would possibly land a transfer as well. But that that's huge news uh, for the team to get another possible um, commitment on campus. So, like I said, tomorrow we'll talk about the uh, official visitor list for this weekend more in depth. But that's going to wrap up this uh, Friday episode of the show. There will be another episode tomorrow, so stay tuned. Um, but that's going to wrap up today's episode of the show. Everyone have a great day. Have a great weekend. Go Cards. We'll see you back here very soon.